Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. That's why we're here this morning, right? Worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Let's pray together, may we? Father in heaven, would you now prepare our hearts for what you have for us? We're here on purpose. We've come deliberately. We want to worship you this morning. And thank you for these great, great songs that lead us in worship. But now as we open up the scriptures, the word of God, your word, we pray you'll speak to our hearts. May we have an ear to hear. May we have a deep desire in our heart to obey. And as we leave this room today, may something supernatural take, have taken place in our lives. We love you and praise you. We adore you today. As we worship you, be pleased. We ask in Jesus' name and amen. You bring your Bible with you. I want you to find the one-chapter book of Philemon. Would you find that? New Testament. If you end up a book of Revelation, you went too far. <laughs> Philemon. For those of us who have been around for a while, Philemon. Remember, remember when he was Philemon? Huh? Job was Job, and uh, Malachi was Malachi, and... Uh, Still is for some of us, right? Us Italian preachers love Malachi. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Philemon. I was teaching Hebrews in Sunday school. Philemon, and I would say turn to chapter number one, but there's only one chapter, right? Philemon, and we'll look in chapter number one. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard this phrase, a diamond in the rough? You've heard that, right? You know? Uh, you've ever considered anyone a diamond in the rough? You know people that are diamonds in the rough? Huh? Now you got real quiet. You're doing good for a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the idea behind that phrase, when you talk about that, the implication, it's varied, right? We use it often uh, in varied ways. Uh, but basically, I think the main implication is this. It's speaking about a hidden potential, right? That individual, that person is a diamond in the rough. They have some hidden potential, right? And, and we, we call them diamonds. You know, di diamonds, you know this, diamonds are hidden, and it takes a whole lot of work to dig them up, right? Diamonds in the rough. Uh, well, when we look at Philemon, the main character of the story is not Philemon. The main character is a diamond in the rough, and his name is Onesimus. Did you ever hear that name before, Onesimus? Onesimus? He's the main character here in the book of Philemon. And according to the Apostle Paul, he, he was, he was just, just a diamond in the rough, now, Paul is writing to Philemon. Philemon uh, is a New Testament character, and this book bears his name. Now, think about that for a second. Here's an individual, he's a born-again believer, just like you and I, who the apostle Paul himself 
takes interest in. And at this point in time uh, in his ministry, he, he, he writes a letter to him. And that letter is, of course, ordained by God. God breathed. And so everything in this letter is from God to this one individual and then magnified for us, the church. And so Philemon is, is the fellow who, uh, of course, this book is written to or this letter is written to. And he's, he's just a member of a local church. In fact, if you did a little research, uh, he's a member of the church in Colossae. Church of Colossae was a good church. Paul had some fond memories of the church in Colossae. And this fellow Philemon was a member uh, of that church, a member, a citizen of that city. And, and you know, when you read this text of Scripture, you'll agree that he must have been a rock-solid Christian man. I mean, he, he, he was, a, he was a, a Christian that had some real substance about him, you know? And, uh, and probably a man of means uh, because of some of the other things that are said about him in the New Testament. Uh, nonetheless, he shared a unique connection with the Apostle Paul. And here's the connection. Uh, he was one to the Lord through the Apostle Paul's ministry. Look in verse number, uh, verse number 16. He says this, now, now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved. Down in verse number 19, he talks about, I, Paul, have written this with my own hand. Verse number 20, yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. And so the, the, there's a great connection here. Uh, did you ever lead somebody to the Lord? And you know, after you've led that person to the Lord, there just seems to be a, a real deep connection to that individual. You know, uh, you take up real interest in that person's life. You pray for that individual. And if, if God's been gracious, you may have even discipled that individual a little bit, helped them along, kind of poured your life into them, uh, so to speak. That seems to be the connection here with the Apostle Paul and this fellow Philemon. Now, the reason for writing giving you some background. We'll get practical here in a moment. The reason for writing this letter is found in verse number 10. Notice what he said. He said, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now, at, at first look, if you've never read Philemon, if you don't understand the background, you wouldn't understand what Paul is saying there. But let me just give you a little bit of background about this Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave. In fact, he belonged to Philemon. Back in that day, that's just the way it was. Don't take offense to it. That's just the way it was. So Onesimus was a slave who worked for Philemon. I almost said was owned by Philemon, but that's not the way Philemon looked at it. Let me put this in perspective. Oftentimes, God's blessed me and others where we get a chance to go to third world countries. I've been to many third world countries. The very first time I went to a third world country, I visited with a missionary friend, went to his house. In fact, I stayed in his home. And, and I was really taken back by this, that he had two uh, ladies that were his servants. Uh, we would call them maids, you know. And, uh, and I thought to myself, good grief, here's a missionary being supported by churches in the United States. We're sending him our missions money, and this brother's got maid service. All I got is a wife. I wasn't sure if you were paying attention. That's why I said that. Yeah. And now I got a couch. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> you must be married. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I said to the brother, because he was a friend of mine, I said, man, you got to explain this to me. You got to explain to me how you as a missionary uh, have maids, servants. And here's what he said. He said, preacher, don't be offended by that. He said, here, this is a way for us to allow them to earn a living. It was, it was Dominican Republic, a very, very poor third world country. And, and he said, these ladies here, he said, both of them are saved, they're members of our church, and this is a way where, we, where they can earn a, a living, you know. And I, I kind of understood that. And so that puts in perspective for me the idea of Philemon and Onesimus, right? But when you read this story, now, now pay attention right here, Onesimus, uh, this slave, uh, steals from Philemon. And you know what he does? He, he runs away. He takes off, and he goes, uh, he goes to Rome. He's in Rome now, John. And so he's a runaway slave. <laughs> look, how, look at God's sense of humor. He gets arrested in Rome, and he ends up in the same prison with the Apostle Paul. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God awesome? Is something like that ever happened in your life where you're just trying to hide out and all of a sudden the people you're trying to hide out from, they're just like right there, you know? You told them you had a headache and you couldn't come over for dinner and so you snuck out with your wife to go someplace and they thought, well, since he's not coming for dinner, let's go out to dinner and you end up the same place. I thought you had a headache. Here, here, here's, here's Onesimus running away from Philemon. He gets arrested in Rome Paul was in a Rome, the Roman prison where Onesimus, where Onesimus was, and to add insult to injury, Paul knew Onesimus's owner, boss, master, and had led him to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? So guess what happens? Paul says in verse number 10, reason for the letter, I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus. You know what that means? Paul led Onesimus to the Lord while in prison. Isn't that awesome? And now he's writing back to Philemon to tell Philemon, hey, guess who I found? <laughs> I found Onesimus, but now he's no longer your servant. He's a brother. He got saved. He's one of us. Isn't that a wonderful story? Only in the Bible, John, only in God's economy do we read things uh, like that. And, and so, as the Lord would have it, you know, he brings this group together. And, and the passionate Paul leads this runaway slave uh, to a saving knowledge, and now he's writing to, in, to inform Philemon of this great event. But the story goes on, because what happens here is this. Paul is now going to uh, speak to Philemon about receiving him back as a brother and not as a servant. Paul says he's a diamond in the rough, right? He's a diamond in the rough. And isn't it amazing, folks, isn't it amazing to see the difference that Christ makes in a person's life? I mean, do, do you still marvel at that? I hope you do. I like that little chorus we sing, I've never lost the wonder of it all. Since the day that Jesus saved me, a whole new life he gave me, I've never lost the wonder of it all. Let's never lose the wonder of it all. Because the, the change that God makes in a person's life is just, it's divine. It's supernatural. 
And I think this, I think sometimes we, we kind of lose focus of, of lost people as being diamonds in the rough. And then sometimes we lose focus that in a room filled with people like this here, there are diamonds in the rough. And I think it speaks to, I think it speaks to relationships. And so I want to I share with you just a couple of things in the message this morning that I hope become a practical blessing to you. And in each one of these stops, we're going to take a couple of stops here. I'm going to, I'm going to ask the guys to help me and flip up a statement. I, I've kind of pulled a few statements out for us this morning to kind of tuck deep inside of our heart and maybe call upon, rely upon as we look and live in, in this world and, and in some of the relationships that we find ourselves in. As you go through this letter, I want you to notice, I want you to notice first a record of appreciation. Look in chapter number one, verse four. Paul says, I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. And so this is Paul praying for Philemon. And then he says this, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love. Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So you know what Paul's doing here? Paul is, is sharing his heart with Philemon and, and just kind of being thankful for him. He's showing his uh, appreciation to him. And I think this, I think uh, there's some things in the beginning of this letter that we as Christians ought to try and cultivate. And let me just point it out for you. Let me, let me just call it out for you. It's having, it's having a gracious and tactful spirit. Are you with me? It would be a wonderful thing if in the church of Christ, like this New Testament church right here, if we can learn to be gracious and tactful. Now, if you know this story, you know this. And I'm, I'm going to give you just kind of a bird's eye view. Uh, Paul is saying to Philemon, I'm going to send Onesimus back, but I'm going to ask you to do this. Don't, don't, don't let him work as your, your slave anymore. You know, I'm going to ask you to let him just become a brother and a co-laborer, right? But before Paul does that, you know what he does? He writes the letter and he says this, man, I remember what a blessing you are. You know, and, and he mentions three things about Philemon that I think are, are things that maybe, maybe we ought to cultivate. He says in verse number five, you have a great love for the brethren. You have a great love for the brethren. And then he said this, not only that, but you have a great love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Paul's saying this about this Philemon, you know, uh, man, I, I remember this about you. The brethren are refreshed uh, by you. And I thought to myself, he's somebody that I would like to know because they are the marks of a true believer. Love for the brethren, love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you read on and study it out, he even shared his faith with others. And so he had a great love for the lost. When you talk about somebody who's really genuinely born again, those are the things you're looking for, right? I mean, I tell you, they got a love for God and they got a love for others. And they just love to see people come to a saving knowledge. Isn't that right? And so Paul was sharing his appreciation uh, for Philemon. And then he says in verse number four, look at this. He says, I thank my God making mention of thee in my prayers. Paul says this, and don't, don't forget, man, I've been praying for you. 
I've been praying for you. I know this. I know there's people in this room that pray for each other. Right? And aren't you glad that we get to pray for people? And aren't you glad there are some people praying for you? Amen. Uh, right now, uh, Ed, you know this, we're praying for uh, Ed's stepdad, Bob, Bob Thorne, got you praying for Uncle Bob. And, and Bob's going through a tough time right now. They discovered mm, cancer uh, on his, uh, he's, got a, he's got a tumor in his throat. And so he's doing that, he's doing, Sam, he's doing that radiation and chemotherapy, you know, seven weeks, five days in one day. And so he's gone through it. But you know, you know what we're doing? There's a rallied support right now, right, Ed? There's a group text, family text, and, 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 and every, every Monday through Friday now, my aunt sends out a group text uh, thanking us for praying and pleading with us, don't stop praying for him. Why? Because we believe it's the prayers, it's the prayers that are, that's going to get him through. And it's the prayers that gets us through. It's a wonderful thing when somebody pulls up alongside of you and says, I prayed for you. That's so why I mentioned this morning, pray for Richard and Cheryl Miller. It's going to be a tough week for them. Got to bury a loved one. In fact, a daughter. Parents don't expect to outlive their children. They need our prayers. Amen? Paul says, I've been praying for you. And Philemon, uh, and Paul prayed that he would grow and excel in the Lord. And Philemon did that very thing. Philemon was a blessing to others. Now listen to this statement. I want you to hear this carefully. Anyone can recognize weakness. Did you hear that? It doesn't, take, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, and you don't need to be real spiritual to be critical. Oh, that was better than you let on. You don't need to be real spiritual to be critical. Huh? Right? I know this in churches like this, right? Right, Pastor Penichetti? I know you pastor a church just like this. Isn't it true that some of our members have the gift of criticism? They really believe it's a spiritual gift. You know, and man, God's blessed me, preacher. I'm able to spot everybody else's flaws. Thank God for you. Because if we didn't have you, we, we wouldn't know how much of a mess we are. Right? And so it doesn't take a spiritual giant to spot weakness. But now get this. It takes substance to recognize substance. Would you flip that, please? Hide that. Hide that in your heart. It takes substance to recognize substance. Paul, look here, Paul had substance. And you know what he was recognizing? He's recognizing another Christian brother, Philemon, who had substance. Don't you want to have, look here, don't you want to have substance about your Christian life? Don't you want it to be more than just nominal? You know what nominal means? Nominal means in name only. I don't want to be a Christian in name only. How about you? I want to have substance. I, I, want, I want to be able to recognize substance. I love being around people who have some depth in the Lord. You know? Because when you get around people who have depth in the Lord, they're not shallow. Only shallow people look for all flaws. Hello? And so if all you do is see flaws, it's because you're too shallow. Because the deeper you get in, the more substance you'll have, and you'll not be able to see everybody's flaws, but you'll be able to see that those individuals have some substance themselves. Amen? Love that about this text of Scripture. Look here, you got to know what to look for. And we've neglected to see the value in the rough. 
the value in the rough. Boy, if you had some time, I'd tell you a story. Tell you a story of a fellow who who got saved in 1979, started going to church in 1980-81. But when he went to church, now get this, this guy, when he went to church in 1981, he went in and, and he had on, I'll never forget the first day he came to church, he had on a pair of uh, kind of like tan trousers, dress trousers, white shoes, they were cream, and, the, and he had on, a, a, it was summertime when he, when he came, he had on a, a short sleeve shirt V-neck. And on both arms, he had tattoos. And you can see them from, because the shirt was kind of short. And around his neck, he had two gold chains. He did. On, on his pinky fingers, he had two gold rings. On one wrist, he had a, a, a gold rope bracelet. And on the other, a gold watch. In the left ear, in, the, in his left ear, he had a, an earring. And he had the audacity to come into our little Baptist church, you know? And when he came in, unbelievably, all of our members just rallied around him. Man, it's so good to see you. It's great to see you, blah, 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 blah. And even the pastor, the pastor didn't make a big deal. He had, his hair was a little bit longer, you know? And he was kind of, you know, he looked like he was like from 1976, you know, Saturday Night Fever. Was that what it was called? Tony Monero. I mean, you know, and... And, but, the, but the preacher didn't make a big deal about it. Man, it's good to see you. Good to have you, blah, blah, blah. Unbelievable. You know what that preacher saw? You know what those Christians people saw? They saw a diamond in the rough. Huh? You're never going to believe what happened to that guy. He's your pastor. He's your pastor. Ah, yeah. You'd have never thought it. Now you're saying, where's them deacons at? We got to get rid of him. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Got a haircut. I don't, I don't wear the diamond in the church anymore. I used to have an earring diamond. I don't wear it at the church anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, by the way, everything I told you about that guy is true. It's true. But he was a diamond in the rough, and that preacher loved on him and saw, saw something in him, and he cultivated that. And man, before long, God took that guy, and he got a haircut, and, and he got cleaned up, and went to Bible college. God called him to preach and pastor a church. Now for 35 years, he's been pastoring a church. Unbelievable what God can do. Huh? It takes substance to recognize substance. As we move on, I want you to see this. I want you to see how Paul, he makes a sincere appeal to Philemon. Look in verse number eight of, of chapter number one. He says, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, uh, that which is convenient, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. You know what that word beseech means? Beg. So Paul says this, you know, I'm Paul the age. I led you to the Lord. I have some clout, I have some authority in the local church because God's given it to me, and I can pretty much command you to do this, but I'd rather beg you to do it. I'd rather make an appeal, is what he says in verse number nine. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being as, as Paul the age and now as Paul the prisoner of Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I begotten in my bonds, which is now in time past to thee uh, unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. So what's he doing? He's making an appeal based upon uh, his, his need uh, of, of Onesimus and his newborn birth. He's born again now. Isn't that exciting? Huh? And I like this. He doesn't command 
or demand Philemon to receive Onesimus. You know why? That wouldn't be good for the relationship. Not at all. You don't, look here, listen to this statement. You can't force relationships. Huh? You can't, you can't force somebody to like you. You can't force somebody to befriend you, right? I mean, they just got to happen. Love is always better than law. And you know what Paul does here? He appeals to uh, Philemon uh, on, on the basis of three factors. L- look at these three factors. The first thing is biblical compassion. And so he, he appeals to him. Receive him now as a brother, not as a servant, based upon biblical compassion, uh, meaning this, love demands that we receive him. Not law, but love. It's just the right thing to do. And then, based upon biblical conversion, you know, Onesimus was now a brother. He's now profitable, right? He's, in fact, you know what his name means, Onesimus? Look it up. It means profitable. Isn't that amazing? If Paul could, he'd keep Onesimus as a co-laborer. And then, and then biblical comparison, because Paul mentions here the doctrine of identification. Look at verse 17 with me, if you would. He says, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. That's the doctrine of a identification. You know, so Paul's pulling out all the stops here, and, and, he, and he says, you ought to receive him just like you receive me. I like that, don't you? I want to give you, I want to give you, I want to give you another one of these statements to hide in your heart this morning, and I think is, is really important. Listen, there's no such thing as discrimination in the Lord. Huh? A brother is a brother and a sister is a sister. Now get this. There are boundaries to relationships. Go ahead and flip that. But not to acceptance. There are boundaries to relationships, but not to acceptance. We need to accept everybody, right? Not not based upon our criteria. Come into the Open Bible Baptist Church here in Williamtown, New Jersey. Well, in order to be accepted, um, I almost, yesterday I called you Abigail for some reason, but your name's Valerie, right? I met Valerie yesterday, and I won't embarrass you, I promise you. But I met her, I met our sister yesterday. First time, first time here? First time attender. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Came to Kids Quest or Kids Fest yesterday, came out today. Wouldn't it have been sad, Valerie, if yesterday somebody said, I think Joe was walking you around yesterday, my, my wife Donna. Wouldn't it have been terrible if they said this now, Valerie, in order to come to church tomorrow? We're glad you're here for Kids Fest and you're welcome in the gym. But in order to come to the main auditorium, here, here, you, here's the list. You've got to be able to do this in order to get in. Would you be here today? Go ahead, beyond. I wouldn't have come either. I wasn't sure if I was coming anyway, but I wouldn't have come if they. You're not going to believe this, but maybe you will. Brother Riddell, do you remember that church in Maryland? Won't say the name or the preacher's name, but literally, literally used to have a sign on the lawn when you would come up, no women allowed in with slacks. You remember that preacher? I'll tell you something right now. I'm not a woman. Come on, sister. You think a woman can grow a beard like that? Well, Italian women can. Italian women, right? Amen. But if I, Dom, if I was walking up with my wife, first-time visitor, walking up to that church, even if she wasn't offended, I would have been. 
And I would not have went in because if you have enough, if you have enough brass to put that as a sign in your lawn, who knows what you're going to say inside? Hello? And so you know what that means? That means that church has been a stumbling block for, for some people coming to know Christ as Savior. Why would you put that out there? Like, Why do we have to discriminate against people as the bride of Christ? Huh? Look here, there may be boundaries to relationships, and that's another message in and of itself, but not to acceptance. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. Why, because you're white, you think you're special? Look here, what do we do in the summertime? We try to get brown. I mean, how special are we? Huh? Right? I mean, people pay money to go to sanding salons to become brown, but we won't let brown people in the building. Really? There's no barriers to color or, or age or... Look here, when I first came here, you know what I said, Dom? If I'm going to be your pastor, we, we got to agree on this. The older people are going to respect the younger people, and the younger people are going to respect the, the older people. We're not going to try to run each other out the door. You know, young people like certain kinds of, like this morning, we sang some, some younger music, I guess, right? Andrew, help me with that a little bit. Give me, give me something. And then we threw in there one of the oldies. Huh? A couple of the oldies, right? And what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Right? If we're respecting everybody, well, this is everybody's church. Amen? Right? So, look here. Read it again. There's boundaries to relationships, but not to acceptance. That's what Paul's saying there in, in, in the book Philemon, you know, talking about this Onesimus fellow. Now, I got to move on. Look at, this, look at this next thing, and we'll finish. I want you to notice he has confidence that Philemon's going to do the right thing. And so, we call this assurance. Paul's assurance here. Now, let me get technical for a moment, then I'll get practical again. What you don't see here is Roman law. Roman law. So, remember I said this a little bit ago about this story. Onesimus has robbed his employer. He stole from him. He's arrested. He's in Rome. Arrested. Now, Paul meets him, and, and he gets saved. Right? And so, because he got saved, that, that nullified everything he'd done in the past, right? No. No, he broke the law. He broke the law, right? And so you know what the law said, Roman law? If you stole, you got to make restitution. You got to pay the fine. You got to pay your employer, in this case, and make restitution, right? So guess what Paul says here? Look in chapter number one again, verse 18. He says, if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. He's not being nice there. He's not being patronizing. What he's saying is this, I'm willing, I'm willing to cover the fine. I'm willing to cover the restitution. Because I know even though we got saved, according to the law, he's got to make restitution. Why? Well, because if Paul just kind of, you know, pulled some strings, then there would be all kinds of jailhouse professions. Well, if all I got to do is get saved to get out, I'm saved. No, no, not at all. In this case, Paul reminds Philemon, I understand the law here. 
a pay attention, a price must be paid. Let me say that one more time. A price must be paid. In order for this individual to be totally redeemed, it's more than just parroting a prayer. It's more than just agreeing, yeah, that sounds good to me. No, 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 no. He has to acknowledge the fact that there's, there's a price to be paid. And Paul says, I'll pay that price for that substitution. Huh? Paul didn't know it, right? No, uh, Onesimus owed it, but Paul said, I'll pay it for him. Do you see a bigger picture here? Do you see the story of Calvary? Where on the cross, someone died, someone took our place, someone died on my cross, someone died instead of me. Jesus said, I'll pay his sin debt. Are you with me? I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash my sin away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt, a debt he did not owe. That's salvation. That's what Paul's saying here. A debt's been paid. Onesimus can be set free. What a great, what a great picture of Calvary. And he reminds, he reminds that by receiving Onesimus, it would be a blessing to him. Look at verse number 20. He said, yea, my, yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. In other words, what he's saying is this. If you do the right thing here, if you do the right thing here, it's going to be a great blessing. Can I give you another one of those statements just to hide in your heart? Think about this. The right stuff breeds the right stuff. <laughs> you ought to write that down. The right stuff breeds the right stuff. These, these guys aren't mad. They just have to go over and work kid fest. They got the right stuff. The right stuff breeds the right stuff. Listen to this. If the right stuff is in you, the right stuff will come out of you. <laughs> Amen. If the right stuff is in you, the right stuff will come out of you. You know, one of the things I enjoyed coming up, I'll never forget this. I forget where I picked it up at. But I, re I remember this in training as in Bible college and all that kind of stuff. Someone said this. Someone said this, and this is really neat. Someone said, a lot of what we have is caught, not taught. Did you ever hear that before? And at first, I didn't understand that. But then it dawned on me what, what it was meaning. If I just get around the right people, I'm going to catch it. I'm going to catch it. Huh? I know I, I know I shared my life, one of my life verses with you, but I want to bring it up and close with it. Proverbs 18, verse number 1 says, Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. That's, that's my, one of my life's verses. Through desire. So the idea then is this. You know, let, let's say, Dave, let's say you desire to be the best Christian you can be. Right? I mean, just spirit of excellence, right? So that's your desire, right? Is that your desire? Well, you got to go through that desire. You got to go through that desire. 
Now pay attention here. According to that verse, this is the way I've read that verse years ago. If I want to be that, then I have to separate myself to that. Amen? Right? Through desire, through desire, through desire. Desire is the door. You go through desire. A man having separated himself. What? To his desire. So, you know what I did, Dom? You know what I had to do? In order to be what God wanted me to be, I had to separate myself to that desire, which meant I had to get away from certain people, places, and things. And so now here I am, my desire, Dave, your desire, be a world-class Christian. So you separate from people, places, and things. Does that make you? No. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So there's some things you've got to stay away from, and then there's some things you need to get involved with. People, places, and things. Right? In other words... There are sometimes just being in the right place, you catch it. You know what I've caught? I caught a lot of it at church. I caught a lot of it being around the right pastors and preachers. When I was a young preacher boy, so to speak, you could, man, wherever you saw, I was kind of like a good dog, always by my master's side. You know, there's not a day in my life when I'm home that I don't trip over my dog at least three or four times. Why? Because everywhere I move, he's right there. And I kind of, Mo, would you get out of the way? You know? That's the way I was coming up. I was always, always, always in my preacher's way because I wanted to catch it. Huh? Some things are caught, not taught. You know where I caught most of it? At a good church. A good church. Now, you can also catch some things that are diseaseful in a good church. <laughs> Be careful who you're around, right? Because not everybody comes in with the best attitude, with the best intentions. Huh? Well, you sit right next, down next to them, and all of a sudden you just start to feel this funny feeling. This person's going to say something to me, and it's not going to be nice. You know what you do? Move your seat. Valerie, move your seat. I'm teasing. Huh? Why? Because some things are caught. If you get the right stuff in you, the right stuff will come out of you. Huh? So you know what you ought to do? You ought to maybe listen to yourself every once in a while. Listen to what's coming out of you. You know what that is? That's my puppet criticizing. Complaining. Huh? You know what some of you are thinking right now? When's he going to shut up? <laughs> right? Nah, nobody would be thinking that here. You ought to listen to yourself. If you get the right stuff in you, the right stuff will come out of you. Look, look here. Diamonds always come from the rough. They always do. You say, no, I got them at the jewelry store. No, that's where you bought it but it's cultivated out of the rough. It takes, takes work. Got to dig deep. Isn't that right? They don't, look, they don't look like much when you pull them up, but after you clean them up and polish them up, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Huh? You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at a bunch of diamonds, some still in the rough, but others, God's cleaned you up and he's polished you. Now, you sing. You see this group up here singing? The diamonds. 
praising our Lord, glittering and shining for Him. Isn't that right? They weren't always that way. No, they had to get cleaned up. But once they, once they are, they become a thing of beauty. You know what happens with Onesimus? Listen to this. Colossians chapter 4. I'm finished, I promise. Colossians 4. Listen to this. Philly, Onesimus got saved in prison, right? Chapter 4 of, uh, of uh, Colossians, right? I'm in Philippians. Philippians, uh, chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 4. He says this. Verse 8. He says, whom I've sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. You know what happens now? Onesimus is serving right alongside the Apostle Paul. Uh, Verse number 18, it says this, the salutation by my hand, uh, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be unto you. And then, then if you read, if you have it in your Bible, it says, written by Onesimus. You know what Onesimus became? Look here, it, it's, it's predicted Paul had, uh, it's told that Paul had eye problems, couldn't see real good. And he would use others to kind of write for him. And at one point in time, guess who he uses? Onesimus. He's a diamond in the rough. He's a slave that steals from his owner. Gets saved in prison. Somebody takes interest in him. And now he's working alongside the Apostle Paul. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) You never know who you might find in the rough places of life if you just keep looking. Amen? Let's not stop looking. They're out there. We just got to find them. Amen? Hey, let's pray together. Thank God for people like Philemon and Paul and Onesimus. Thank God for people like you and I who he uses to advance his kingdom. Now, Father, thank you for the word of God and the great stories that we read, the principles that we extract. Thank you. What a blessing to read about this Onesimus who gets saved from a rough life and then goes on to serve you with the Apostle Paul. Thank you for a fellow like Philemon who has great testimony in the church. What a blessing. He's refreshing to others. May we be like that. May it be our desire to be like that, just refreshing to others. And I would pray that you'll help us to get the right stuff in us so that the right stuff will come out of us. Our heads are bowed, no one's looking about, no one to be embarrassed, but I wonder if you'd say this morning, preacher, God has spoken to my heart through that message today. Grab the hold of my heart, and I just want to testify by the upraised hand. Would you raise your hand nice and high? Yes, indeed. Many hands are raised. God spoke to my heart this morning. I'm so glad he has. Yes, yes, indeed. Maybe he's talked to you about some specific things and you need to get settled, you need to get working on. Go ahead and do that. If you're here this morning and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, just like Onesimus, there's somebody that cares for you, loves you. You know Jesus died on the cross for you, but that does no good for you until you personally ask Jesus to be your personal Savior. Jesus, come into my life and save me. I want to be saved. I want to know for sure that I have a place in heaven. I want, I want the Holy Spirit of God to live inside my life and make these changes that you speak about, Pastor. If you're here this morning and you have yet to accept Christ as your Savior, would you allow me to at least pray for you? No one's looking about. This is just between you and the Lord and me so I can pray for you. Would you raise your hand up and say, Pastor, yes. 
I'm not sure I'm saved. I need to get this thing settled once and for all. Would you pray for me today? Just slip your hand up, put it right back down, and I'll pray for you. I won't call out your name. I'll just pray for you. Someone like that, go ahead and just slip it up. Put it right back down. Anyone at all, pastor, pray for me. Now, Father in heaven, we rejoice in the fact that we got to be at church, and we pray that the message today, the songs today, would have buoyed our spirits. So when we leave here, we'll leave here victorious. We ask in Jesus' name, and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.